I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Heroes Number 3, Heroes the Number 3 podcast on all three of them. And this week we are diving into our look at Chambara films, samurai movies, starting with Zatoichi, the first Zatoichi, known as the Tale of Zatoichi, from 1961? 62. 62 yep. from 1962 <laughs> um it's well, it's easy to get confused because in the course of i think 11 years 20 of these movies came out yeah <laughs> so right, it's, right it's wild but yeah this is the first one uh, the tale of zatoichi starring shintaro katsu as the titular zatoichi the blind swordsman dead silence yeah, <laughs> it's, um, not about, it's about a blind swordsman, not a deaf swordsman. No, see, since we're like an audio medium, the only mm-hmm. way that we can depict audio blindness, man. exactly. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> let's do this. All right, um, yeah. So Zatoichi, I, I really was excited to uh, cover this one uh, because it just seemed like a cool idea, and uh, two because honestly, yeah, you said it yourself there's like 26 total films in this series and as i was looking into this i was like how can that be so not only are there 26 films but then there's also a tv series following that that's like yeah 100 episodes that are like 50 minutes each so um we're talking about the movie i was kind of thinking this like obviously tv shows like this didn't exist in the 60s but i could like like modern day someone would make a tv series that's in this vein Mm. over making a bunch of movies yeah Mm. yeah and and after um the 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 films and the tv series there were a couple of uh kind of attempts to return to this franchise and uh, Mm. we can talk about that a little bit as we go through this film but um i was trying i mean once once i realized how big this series was that made me think of things like godzilla and actually godzilla oh, sure, would yeah. kind of run parallel with this series um this is uh by the is film that fight godzilla ever oh no i would love oh. that that would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> but um the film company Dae uh handles most of this series and as it would go on, uh, Shintaro Katsu would have his own production company, Katsu Productions, that would take over. And um, Godzilla was almost, I mean, it's not uh, thematically or like subjectively <laughs> uh, the same <laughs> at all. But I think spiritually yeah. it's similar because there's so many films of this era. Mm-hmm. And then also I was thinking of James Bond, you know, and like yeah. these types of characters that just have this long legacy and honestly with the hundred episodes including the movies this is like knocking on like Wong Fei Hung territory yeah. isn't I was it? thinking that too totally. I was thinking like I obviously um there's a lot more uh uh Quan Ta King depictions of Wong Fei Hung but 
it's not far off mm. for Shintaro Katsu for Zatoichi. Well, and each of these films is preserved, which is not something we can say about the classic Onta King films. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I was yeah. Uh, going through, I have a selection of the Zatoichi films, and I really enjoy all the ones that I've uh, watched for the most part. And um, I realized that there's a uh, Criterion collection of like 25 of the films. And it's so tempting to me. I really, I don't know if I should spend the money on it, but it's to see those films in a higher quality. Cause I just have, I know at least the, I want to say the first two um, criterion has in like the digital marketplace. So you can buy Mm. them um, through iTunes and uh, Amazon. Those, yeah, those transfers. And you also, Matthew, you mentioned him fighting Godzilla. He doesn't <laughs> cross over with Godzilla, but there are a handful of crossovers. Yeah. Oh, behind the scenes, the, right. Not even behind the <laughs> scenes. Behind the scenes, yeah. Yeah. There is Zatoichi meets Yojimbo, which yeah. is, I, um, <laughs> like, I don't know, the 15th film in the series or yeah. something like that, maybe later, that also co-stars Toshiro Mifune. Yeah. And then uh, even... And I, I love that because I looked into that a little bit, and it's, I love, it's, it's Zatoichi meets Yojimbo, not Zatoichi meets Sanjiro. Right. And it turns <laughs> out that the what it looks like, at least, is that behind the scenes, it's tech, Tashir Bifune technically doesn't play the same character as he plays in Yojimbo. It's just gotcha. a very similar character, I, legally I, distinct. Yeah, and but I do honestly, I've seen the movie, and I do honestly feel like it kind of, he exists in that same mysterious... Yeah. Uh, persona that he was in uh, Yojimbo and Sanjuro where it's like you don't know a lot about him so he Mm. very well could be that same persona Uh, but then we also have Zatoichi meets the one-armed swordsman and that movie is really interesting because it's a a direct collaboration between Hong Kong cinema and Japanese cinema where yeah you've got um the the one-armed swordsman himself he's in this film and actually i feel like zatoichi meets yojimbo is kind of the weaker of the movies it's a little long and although their interactions are really cool and i really like that the movie's kind of lacking but i do i would recommend zatoichi meets one-armed swordsman it's awesome i really like that movie a lot cool Dude, that's a great recommendation. And another, um, I maybe you're gonna mention it in a second, but another Godzilla kind of crossover is the uh, musician, the the composer for yeah. several of the Zatoichi movies, mm-hmm. um, Akira uh, Ifukube. Yep. the composer for the original Godzilla and a few of the the later movies. Yeah, sure. In several and, of the Zatoichi movies. And yep, he nice. sort of pops in and out of scoring Zatoichi films, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he does the first film, he does the the third film, and in 1962 that would have been when uh the original uh King Kong versus Godzilla comes out. And he does the, yeah. the music for that. Actually, it's funny that we live in a world that the original version of Godzilla versus King Kong is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But dude. um 
I think that that score by Ifukube is really strong for that yeah. Godzilla vs. King Kong. Yeah, legendary. And, yeah, it, it's really, really good. And the movie's wild itself, so yeah. I also <laughs> recommend that. But um, yeah, really cool to see like all of these things. Uh, Shintaro Katsu being the main character in all of this. Uh, he 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 was known for this series, and he also mm-hmm. did um, Hanzo the Razor, which was a, another little series. And um, his characterization of Zatoichi is is really appealing to me. Um, actually, as I was going through it and just watching the ones that I have, he's kind of got this warmth to him, but it's also this kind of I always n- really know what's going on, and. Um, <laughs> actually reminded me of Columbo <laughs> for a lot of oh dude I could totally you know, see that. <laughs> you're not wrong it's it, he, like he's kind of he's kind of burly and a little abrasive at first but and everyone yeah and kind of takes advantage of, yeah, in, yeah of that underestimation but I mean yeah. we really should say up front um it's you know the Zatoichi franchise it's not just famous because there's so many movies this original film is a legit classic I mean this mm-hmm. is just excellent cinema um, yeah and it creates and boy, a really yes just really holds up i don't know i was finding it like kind of resonant in new ways all over again watching it yeah yeah actually we were considering doing more than just this film but i think that this film alone uh, it stands on its own and it really solidifies a foundation for what the films would be following it and they're actually kind of like um, an anthology series in their own ways so the first couple of movies do have some connecting threads but mm. beyond that it's basically a new adventure of Zatoichi he arrives at a place and encounters some thugs that think they know better and he handles them and you learn a little bit about Zatoichi and you learn a little about a little bit about the people he's interacting with so they're they're all a good time and I honestly I'm I'm hooked so I'm probably going to end up watching all of these <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's I'm going great <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch the whole TV series. And I do know that the, some of them were localized and released here. But, oh, wow. Um, oh, cool. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and you can feel some cross-pollination with American you know, television series at the time, with the late 50s, early 60s shows. Really, if you go back and watch some of that television, we do have you know this kind of slower pace um much more theatrical these kind of moral plays character study kinds of things and then yeah typically we have a hero who moves on from from week to week uh so yeah i mean it would have been impossible i think to resist um turning zatoichi into a tv series so yeah boy that'd be fascinating to watch so i wonder i was going to ask you guys the i i did some homework and i you know, there's other media that was pretty much influenced by Zatoichi. And if you guys <laughs> wanted to, I could talk about that a little bit before we talk about the movie itself. Yeah, I would love that because I, I found some wild stuff, too, that I've, I'd love to share on the show. Cool. So, um, like I said, there were a couple of attempts to kind of return to Zatoichi. I think the one that everybody knows is like the 2003 Bitakeshi Zatoichi yeah. film. And I revisited that movie and I actually did not like it. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a hot I remember take. it was like really acclaimed at the time. But, yeah. Uh, it, 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 I haven't seen it. So it misses the mark in, in a lot of ways for me. For one, there's a lot of digital blood and a lot of like digital mm-hmm. sword play. Yeah. That just doesn't gotcha. really work 
doesn't age too well. B. Takeshi kind of plays like his take on Zatoichi, and it's kind of like he's just kind of quiet. There's no real <laughs> warmth to him like there is with Shintaro Katsu's acting. Mm. Um, Tadanobu Asano's in it, and he's great. Oh, I, cool. I do like him. But um, yeah, it didn't I feel really... like he's showing up in everything. Oh yeah, he's. I feel, he's I feel like in place. in most of the previous movies we talked about, and just in real life, hearing about new movies coming out. Yeah, I feel like I read about all the time. Actually, Actually, this is a crazy, stupid idea. If you remade it now, for some reason, I'm seeing Post Malone as Atuichi. Oh my god, <laughs> he, that would be amazing. <laughs> he's got like a weird energy I mean, to him. And yeah, it, you could have it present day like... too, and it's like he's navigate like. He's got like the round face too, like yeah. Shintaro Katsu. Yeah, I, and, I'm not and gonna... where it's kind of like lovable, but a little bit like you trust him, but you don't trust him. Yeah, kind of thing. And that... like he's he's odd, but like you don't feel like he's threatening, but like he's still like you know just a little <laughs> off. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and he sings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he sings too. Totally. Um. So then there was also, I believe, it was in 2008. There was Ichi, which was like female take on that and it was a it was a little better than the zatoichi the beat takeshi one but i wasn't really into it though um there is then there's a, that theatrical um production of it right? also by beat takeshi and uh okay. actually show aikawa um let's see he's in zebra man he's in a bunch of yakuza <laughs> films stuff so um he's cool and that might be good i haven't seen it but um outside of that there's a couple of other things so uh I know Matthew, you wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> a I found uh, there's a couple of things I found. Um, probably the most, the, the biggest one in the in the West, biggest in in some air quotes, is uh, the 1989. It's so weird. It premiered in America in 1990. Its first premiere was actually in West Germany in 1989. Well, so uh... weird. Probably um, because that of is the, the star. they got all the perks, man. That is the then. yes, that is the Rucker Howard film, Blind Fury, nice. um, which is actually directly based on the seventeenth movie in the uh, Zatoichi oh, series. That's a pretty good, like worn out VHS box title of a movie. Yes, that's, yeah, definitely that's is. And it it boy is it because I I never seen it and I watched it through for for, for this show. Oh, dude, and you're a hero. Boy, it's wild. Um. It is like it is it is exactly what you think it's going to be. It's like, oh, in an eighties an eighties action movie starring a guy who <laughs> is a very clearly not American playing an American. Awesome. Um and like it sounds oh, like a good time. He's to a meet. blind guy. It's exactly what you would think it would be. And it's it, a good time. If, from what I remember, he uses that same like cane sword that Zatsuki Yeah, it's uses. like it's his cane, he pulls it out, he holds it like underhanded like yeah. like Zatoichi and um I I didn't watch the 17th <laughs> Zatoichi movie sorry um <laughs> but I looked up the the premise for it and it's at the same kind of idea where like the he meets this this uh boy and his mother the mother gets killed really early on he has to take care of the the boy throughout the course of the movie um it's that same kind of thing and like Yakuza translates pretty well to, you know, modern 80s drug gangsters. Yeah, sure, sure. I have an interesting connection to that where in I remember the movie. I, I don't remember seeing it, but I would always 
related to this sci-fi action movie that came out in 1990. It starred Dolph Lundgren. It was called <laughs> I Come in Peace. Have I ever talked oh, to you guys I've... about this? No, so it's basically there's like an alien dude that's like kind of like a drug dealer and Dolph Lundgren like fights against him in the film and I always thought that the alien dude was played by Rudger Hauer, but it's not. It's actually Matthias Hughes that plays him. But for some reason, there was like a link in my brain thinking these two movies were the same thing, even though they're completely unrelated. But the other thing that I always love to mention with this movie is that the movie's called I Come in Peace. And whenever the alien shows up, he says, I come in peace, but he kills everybody. Oh, nice. And then uh, Dolph Lundgren has his like tagline is, And you go in pieces. Oh, dude. <laughs> it's the best. But he yeah. only says it once, right? It's not like I, he says it multiple times. Yeah, but they also play it in the trailer. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's a very trailer line. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. And then there was the other, uh, what was the the spaghetti western that you were Oh, mentioning? yeah, there's a spaghetti western from 1971 called Blind Man. And it's about <laughs> a, a blind gunman played by, uh, hang on. Played by Tony Anthony, who, who was he was a big spaghetti western guy too. Okay, cool. Um, uh, and it's I, I didn't I watched through most of it. I kind of skimmed through it, and mm-hmm. the weirdest connection though about it is that like it is about like it's a blind gunman instead of a swordsman. He uses like he has a long rifle that he uses as a cane, but he also shoots people with it. Oh sure, okay, a cane rifle. I like a that cane gun. Yeah, it's yeah whatever. Um. The weirdest thing about it, though, is one of the main antagonists in the movie is played by Ringo Starr from the Beatles. Never heard of him. Which... <laughs> Unreal. That's insane. It's so weird. And it's 1971, so it's literally right after the Beatles break up. That's and, awesome. Uh, he still has like the big long beard and everything. Well, actually, Blind Man is what broke up the Beatles. So. <laughs> yeah, fun fact. <laughs> wow, that's going to be crazy. a movie star. Yeah. Yep. Wow, um, that's that's pretty wild. Oh, and his and character's name is Candy. Sorry, I'm just yeah. His name's so. Candy. Yeah. He's wow. uh <laughs> the 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 plot of the movie is wild. Like it's it's pretty nuts. It's such a it is one of the most spaghetti westernist spaghetti westerns I've seen. <laughs> nice, so, nice. So I, um, I have a couple additional ones that I really like to mention. One is uh, a short film called Blindsided, the game. And it stars Eric Jacobus, who's like this uh, really cool stunt guy that I became familiar with because of his content on YouTube. Um, he did a video called The Kictionary, where he literally did like over 200 different kicks and uh, defined them all. And then he also cool. did a series of videos where he was replicating Tekken characters' move lists in real life. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, nice. and, God, that is yeah. straight up your alley, Carlos. Yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> and he has a really great sense in action. And he's gone on to do a lot of uh, motion capture work for video games. So the, the, the latest God of War game, he did motion capture for that game. Oh, cool. And uh, the newest Mortal Kombat. He's done a lot more, but those are the most like notable ones to me in recent years so he does a lot of great work and um he it's a a short film set in modern time there he plays uh just kind of a a blind dude that gets wrapped up in uh, a gangster like story uh and the action shot really well and the it hits all the like zato ichi beats but there's also like very like 
choreography kind of feels like in moments like Jackie Chan with a mix of action and comedy. Yeah. And, oh, uh, awesome. I highly recommend it. It's really cool. And it's available on YouTube to watch. So um, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Oh, dude. Great and then the last one that I want to mention is uh, a short uh, called ZVP. This is on YouTube now. And this is by Junya Okabe. And this showed up uh, some years ago and I remember people getting excited about it and it wasn't spoiled for me, but I mean, unfortunately I'm going to spoil it for you, but you should still watch it. <laughs> but it's basically a new, a short of Zatoichi. It's like eight minutes long, but what you find out is he's, it's actually Zatoichi versus the predator. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's oh, something ZVP. that you can just, oh, like, you can just laugh at that. But when you see it, mm. it's done so well and it's yeah. so cool that I just, uh, man, I love it. I know, it Marty, really cool. you, you said you hadn't had the chance to watch it, but yeah. I'd highly recommend it. And yeah. not only just for the, the action, because everything's yeah, done really well, but mm -hmm. whoever they had score it does basically a versus of, like, Alan Silvestri's music with, like, Zatoichi-type yeah. scoring. Yeah, so it's really cool. even before wow. they reveal, like, that the Predator is part of this short, you hear these, like, Alan Silvestri-style uh, cues like in the score and you're like whoa this is really crazy And all yeah. of the effects are done really well. So they mm -hmm. have Zatoichi and the Predator kind of fighting against this kind of rough and tumble. They're basically like kind of mutant samurai ninja crew. And they all look really cool. And um, it's it, it serves as its own short, but also like an extended trailer where it gives you glimpses of a movie that doesn't exist. So yeah. it does a yeah. lot to get you excited for something like uh, that that isn't real and i i really love high concept oh, stuff like that <laughs> that's that just sounds like a blast wow yeah, yeah. it's a lot of fun it's really and great. the guy who plays zatoichi in it nails the way that mm -hmm. that shintaro katsu moves yeah. in the movies like yeah. the kind of like sometimes it's almost like a little awkward and he like has his hands like really close to him mm -hmm. himself and stuff yeah it's good stuff really 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 good stuff so okay. I had one more oh. kind of out there one, which is, um, did you guys ever watch the boondocks? Um, I watched oh, some dude, episodes. I just missed it. Okay. I, I really like the boondocks. Boondocks is crazy funny. It made I me, remember, like, uh, I, Bushido I've Brown only ever heard amazing things about it. Yeah. Mm. But there is an episode where, uh, granddad, gets in a fight with a blind guy and who's like just talking all kinds of shit to him mm -hmm. and saying stuff that is hilarious and I as a white person cannot ever repeat. Right. But it's so funny. God. Nice. Um uh but he like granddad's goes to like punch him and he like dodges out of the way and so everyone thinks that Granddad got his ass beat by a blind man. <laughs> and and so like this feud builds up and um one of the things that that uh Riley not Riley that Huey shows his granddad is Zatoichi. He shows him like a video of of this movie of this of a blind samurai like fighting awesome. off all these dudes and stuff. Oh man. 
I want you to see what you're up against. Holy shit! You remember the way he dodged your punch? Your enemy is the Sadoichi, the blind swordsman. His ears give him more information than all your senses put together. If you underestimate him, he will kill you. You must train. I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. Oh, you will be. You will be. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. That's cool. Because, yeah, like, yeah, obviously yeah. the 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 boondocks is very anime inspired has a lot of cool anime studios work on it and there's mm -hmm. like a dream sequence where there's like this really awesome fight with some raekwon music in the background it's oh, so good perfect perfect yeah so we i can mention some characters that were influenced by zatoichi since you yeah, yeah mentioned that so um the first big one for me i love fighting games right and in guilty gear there is a character named zato one and uh he's oh, influenced yeah. by him in name more so than in yeah. his character but he's is, ichi is he's one in japanese yeah he's basically a blind fighter that kind of uses a shadow to fight alongside with him and um yeah that's that was like the first one that came to my mind but also in the later mortal Kombat games there's a dude named kenshi and he's a blind swordsman but he also uses like telekinesis um to fight and he's very directly inspired by Zatoichi. Um I, I actually, you know, you you would kind of assume that Daredevil would be inspired by Zatoichi, but I I actually can't say that for sure because Daredevil was created in 1964. Zatoichi is 1962, but I don't really know how much uh you know Zatoichi would have permeated Western culture. For that to be an influence, but I I can say that Stick, his master, who was created by Frank Miller in the '80s, he's definitely an uh, an character that's been influenced by Zatoichi. So yeah, he's yeah. like uh, the blind master that um that trained Daredevil. And I do you guys know much about the connection between Daredevil and the Ninja Turtles? Have we Isn't talked about that this? I, I know, I think I remember reading it. It's, I so, think it's like I'm a cracked article like a yeah. decade ago. So the ninja, <laughs> that like the, the, like the, the, the whatever. The canister came. Yeah, yeah. The canister that blinded yeah. who would become Daredevil like seeped into the sewer and created the Ninja Turtles. Right. And there's like a, that. yeah, it's, it, Ninja Turtles are kind of a weird parody riff on Daredevil. So mm -hmm. in Daredevil, you've got the hand, which are the Ninja clan. And in the oh, Ninja so Turtles, you've got foot. the foot clan. And That's then uh, Stick, uh, Daredevil's master, and you've got Splinter, the turtle's ah, master. That's so, cute. Yeah, there's, I don't know if you guys knew about that. But um, then also in Ninja Scroll, there's a blind swordsman uh, that uh, Jubei fights. His name is Utsutsu Mujuro. He's one of the four uh, demons of Kimon, if I remember that right. But um, that dude's definitely influenced by uh, Zatoichi. And I mean, Chirrut in Rogue One, Donnie Yen plays this blind yeah, martial yeah. artist oh, yeah. that's kind of connected to that's things and has like an extra my sense. My favorite part of that movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that he's definitely influenced. But yeah, those are just a handful of characters that I thought of. Um, if we ever start a Patreon, we'll have... We'll have a five-hour-long episode where me and Marty talk about Star Wars. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think I think that's priming us. We're, we're ready to 
talk about this film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, with all of that out of the way. Uh, but first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. A man named Ichi steps into the town of Ioka, blind yet able. He seeks work as a wandering masseur. The boss, Sukegoro, welcomes Ichi, but he expects much more out of him as Ioka prepares to do battle with the neighboring town of Sasagawa. Ichi's true skills lies with his sharpened blade hidden within his walking cane. Sasagawa has a swordsman of their own, the samurai from Edo, Hirate. And in the midst of this mindless conflict, two men of honor find a common ground across battle lines. Directed by Kenji Masumi and starring Shintaro Katsu in the first of many stories, this is the tale of Zatoichi. So yeah, today we're talking about the tale of Zatoichi, the first of the of the long running series, and it's it's so good. I really yeah. like. Part of me kind of wants to get one of those Criterion's because the the transfer that I watched wasn't bad. Yeah, but I would love to watch this in like as as beautiful of a resolution as is possible. Yeah, totally. And also the transfer, yeah, that I watched it had like a weird um right like field order kind of uh pull downy thing or whatever with the frame rate um but still it, it's i mean it, in some ways watching like a cruddier copy of a movie um <laughs> kind of just shows you just how like how strong or weak the cinematography and the directorial vision is and in the case of Zatoichi, like however cruddy your copy might be, um, <laughs> it's stunning, and these images are just incredible. Yeah. yeah, this first film is directed by Kenji Misumi, and uh, Misumi kind of had his first breakout film in Chambara. Is a 1954 film called Tange Sazen, which is based on uh, a character is a one-eyed, one-armed samurai. So <laughs> very kind of similar idea to what we're dealing with yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but he he'd make himself his name in chambara and he directed a handful of the zatoichi films but then he would go on to direct the first three lone wolf and cub films as well yeah that's uh we don't not in this movie but in the next movie um we'll actually see the the actor who plays the the lone wolf from lone wolf and cub uh stars and he is uh, Shintaro Katsu's brother in real life. And yeah. He plays his brother in the movie, too. And yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> and, and it's so funny because when I saw him, in, when I saw uh, Shintaro Katsu in this, I was even thinking that he looked kind of like him. And he had the same kind of like burly and like a little pudgy. And d- it was cool to find out yeah. they're, they're related. They do share some features here, yeah. Zato Ichi, his, his title, is actually goes to his profession. So uh, when we see Zatoichi coming into town, um, you find out that he's basically like a, a traveling masseuse. And uh, what we'll also encounter in a lot Technically, of... Technically, if it's a male, it's a masseur. Oh, it's nice. Woman, Sorry. Masseuse, yeah. Well, the Japanese and... term that they use is anma. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a more uh, um, uh, definite term. And um, yeah. this goes into what I've come to know in a lot of the feudal era stuff that is a very classist system and yeah. uh that actually plays into his character really because like 
being this masseur, it's kind of very, uh, when it comes to the class, social class is one of the lowest classes. And uh, in Japan at the time in this feudal era, there was actually like a blind kind of workers guild that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And in that guild, you would get a rank. So there, it, I had it written down here. The, the guild is called the Shoku Yashiki. And there was a ranking system. So it went from the highest ranking, Kengyo, down Beto, Koto, and Zato. So Zato is the lowest ranking of this uh-huh. profession. So gotcha. uh, when he first encounters people, he says, Zato no Ichi. So Zato Ichi actually is more than just his name. It's actually his place <laughs> in this social system. I am, I am wow. the lowest of the low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- I, they would basically like the uh, blind masseurs would be like one step above like a beggar so um that kind of really goes in line with how everybody yeah. uh immediately reacts to each so he arrives in town and when he goes inside a house some dude is basically like who the hell are you and he <laughs> says like i'm here to meet uh sukegoro the the man like he he says when i was going to return to town he told me to visit and this kind of puts him into this situation with some thugs and here we get one of the kind of fundamental aspects of uh ichi so gambling shows up in various ways in all of these films and it's again a a scenario where everyone underestimates him and he kind of plays them because of that so uh, it's a, a betting game. What was it called? Chohan. It's like you basically have a cup and dice game mm-hmm. where you have to guess if they're going to be evens or odds. Yeah. yeah, what happens is he asks if he can participate and actually handle the die. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, all right, we're going to really take this mm-hmm. guy. And he he kind of sandbags them, right? I guess you yeah. could say that. Yeah, it's a really cool hustle where it's like yeah. he mistakenly or seemingly mistakenly like doesn't cover the dice with the cup yeah. so that everyone gets a chance to look at them and place their bets. But that first round is like a beautiful <laughs> hustle. Yeah. And I love that he says like, Oh no, the, the dice that I had up my sleeve slipped out. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just that was funny. But he calls him on it. He says, Oh, are you guys telling me that you bet on the dice that were outside of the cup? Mm-hmm. And then he like takes them all for what they're worth. And uh, mm-hmm. that immediately sets everyone off against each. When it's cool. Cause then in like one fell swoop, he's also saying, actually, I don't even know if I want to hang around and wait for your boss. I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. So uh, after this, he makes his way and he then does run into Sukegoro, Sukegoro, the boss. And he's immediately excited to see him. He's like, oh, please come in. So that kind of puts him kind of at odds with these guys even more because now they have to serve him. Yeah. And he's their guest, which is, is really oh, great. God. So the, the kind of the conflict of the movie comes up. There are these two like rival gangs that he kind of gets caught in the middle of. And this Sukegoro is, is hoping that Ichi is going to basically be able to kill all the people on the other side or, or at least get them to you know, to get off their turf. Right, um, because so. what, what Sukegoro finds out is that the other town, Sasagawa, uh, Shigezo, the, the, that, the boss over there, has employed his own samurai that's come in yeah. from Edo. So they basically need an ace to uh, fight against this because 
everybody else are kind of like just punks you know you don't get a sense of honor out of any of these guys there was an interesting thing that i noticed that i don't know if you guys saw but there's a woman in uh this kind of meeting between sukegoro and another guy so uh this woman in this meeting her teeth are completely black did you guys notice that i did notice it i thought that she just didn't have teeth no so this is this is something that i looked up and it's actually a a technique called ohaguro and it was considered beautiful in this era so it was basically they would apply like dye to the teeth and it would protect your teeth so it'd be like an enamel covering that women would do and it actually dates back far earlier than that but in uh uh, social circles in this time it was kind of like a high pollutant like kind of show off thing kind of like you bling your mouth out right (laughs) yeah yeah dude like a grill like a feudal japan grill (laughs) so i thought that was really interesting the other character i really wanted to mention is a man named tate who works for sukegoro yeah and uh this guy becomes like the main scumbag of the whole movie yeah he's a real jerk yeah he's welcoming ichi in and he's basically kind of giving him a massage but what you find out is that he has a sister and uh, his sister Otani kind of calls to him and addresses some misgivings. So he basically has impregnated a woman and he's keeping it on the DL. But <clears throat> Yeah, and he's kind of just abandoned her. Yeah, people are going to find out and she's kind of pressuring her brother to kind of man up for what he's done. And yeah. uh, he, he definitely doesn't want to. So... uh after that though we get probably my favorite scene or my favorite like non-actiony scene in the movie and that's where we see uh ichi is uh sitting by a pond fishing and yeah, dude. all Stand, of the standing shots ovation here, this yeah scene. yeah oh all of God. the shots in this scene are incredible it's so many close-ups of like his ear and the and like the fishing pole and then we get to see the the rival or the soon-to-be rival uh samurai uh harate coming in and they have like this really it's so cool they have like this pleasant little conversation and when they are like are learning about each other and it's just it's such a cool scene yeah these are the kind of moments that you really picture from a chambara film before Mm -hmm. you picture the swords clashing you picture these kind of softer philosophical moments where people can really connect and find out you know hey maybe these will become enemies further on in the film but there's this Mm. common ground that they can share it's like kind of like i was thinking about it you know as we were watching this uh i mean as i was watching this cover covering it for the episode and honestly i do think of like chang che kind of heroic bloodshed uh, themes you know something like we would see in the venoms films where these Mm. are men of honor and they kind of exist on this plane together and they share an understanding and it's it's almost romantic in a way and this is kind of yeah. like the first date of these two characters <laughs> you know yeah. and uh they share this kind of understanding and it also does a really good job of revealing how skillful ichi is how his yeah. senses are heightened so there's a moment where he notices that uh hirate has a bite on his line before hirate does And then there's also another poignant moment where he asks if he's sick. He can tell that there's something afflicting Hirate that will really 
be a major part of his character as the film goes on. And yeah, actually, I don't I don't know if you guys uh, know about that, but um, this is another thing that I know about because of fighting games. <laughs> so Samurai <laughs> Showdown is a game that I love. And um, there's a character in Samurai Showdown named Ukyo Tachibana. And one of the aspects of his character is that he's suffering from a sickness and it's called consumption. But that was yeah. a, an early term for tuberculosis. Yeah, that's, that's what they used to call it, yeah. Yeah, and that that's something that I learned because of fighting games. Oh, cool. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing, like, growing up what you learn from fighting games and comics and yeah. everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this relationship is so beautiful, and I don't know if this particular dynamic has ever been depicted as well as it is here in this film, because you're you're ready for this impending confrontation that the two men will have, but it's really lovely how it's done because ultimately they never break this relationship. It's it's about them upholding a certain amount of honor and code and actually fighting Zatoichi um, is something, is something of a gift um, yeah. for Hirate. Uh, yeah. Basically it preserves his honor because he wants to die at the hands of, you know, a professional, uh, basically yeah. someone who upholds the values of his old system. And it's great because you get the sense that these two men are kind of the only ones in this chaotic mess that mm-hmm. are upholding some kind of value system. Um, but it's, but ultimately, it's not just that. He kind of wants to die sp- at the hands of Zatoichi, and yeah. it's and it's it's like a. Yeah, I think it is kind of romantic. I mean, it's like physical to like not to get ahead of things, but the scene when Zatoichi is like giving him a, a massage, it's like I don't know, it's really moving. It's yeah, this yeah. this movie's amazing. And it really is like even in the other movies we see that this is this is pretty much the the closest that that Ichi ever gets to having like a friend yeah like someone that's really is <laughs> right. legitimately on the same level as him and like he'll have relationships that are friendly and don't end in murder in other movies but this one he has someone that's act the same like he's also a lowly samurai that's kind of rejected by society but it's also incredible what they do um but of course he he dies at the end at his yeah. hand so he well he and they, they each are like friends. looking out for each other through the course of the movie mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. Great. there's a short scene a little after this where Hirate is back in Sasagawa and you, you learn a little bit more about his sickness. So he's basically uh, staying at this place and actually has a moment where he's practicing his sword play. And it's actually similar to Zatoichi, a technique that I've mentioned sometimes before on the podcast, the Iaijutsu or Iaido, where you're basically unsheathing your sword and attacking so it's basically like a preemptive strike or an immediate strike from unsheathing your sword and you see that Hirate is doing that here but he ends up talking to one of uh, Shigezo's men and he realizes that he's going to be fighting against uh, the men from Ioka and actually it's a really dramatic moment because for me seeing this film and seeing it in the 60s and black and white you're used to this static camera and then there you'll have these moments in the movie where the camera will very dramatically zoom Mm -hmm. and this was the first time that i saw that when he mentions (laughs) to hirate that he's going to be fighting men from ioka it 
does a super hardcore yeah. zoom to his face and he he mentions Ioka so he kind of understands that his path is leading towards Ichi you know he can he can already sense his abilities and he knows that he's staying in Ioka with Sukeoro so he's going to end up fighting him that's that was really cool to me yeah now that's uh in uh you see it a lot more in some of in the the next couple of movies but I it it's so cool watching movies in the 60s because you can see like the modern camera movement sensibilities mm. like ever so slightly creeping in like it, yeah the, the, like, I feel I like I watched the... um this is unrelated in any other way besides talking about camera movement, but I watched uh Cool Hand Luke for the first time a few oh, awesome. weeks ago and uh it, it's so cool seeing like you'll still see the old school like pretty static not a lot of movement stuff, but whenever you see the movement, it's like, oh, that looks like that could have been shot like five years ago, mm. and and you wouldn't be able to tell yeah. just because of like the way that the the camera moves, and you see a lot of that in this movie too. Yeah, I'd say especially with the first three Zatoichi films, you see like the camera breaking free from bre- mm-hmm. being stationary more <laughs> and more in each film. Yeah, so it's kind of. Cool. Yeah, this first one's very stagey in a lot of way. Like it feels like it, it almost right. it's not, but it feel, almost feels like a play yeah. that got like adapted into a movie, you know. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um the next scene uh is a scene where Sukegoro is kind of talking to his man and it kind of seems like he's getting a tattoo. Uh I I couldn't really make that out for sure, but yeah. um I like that he kind of has some zingers for Zatoichi yeah. when they, yeah. they say he's like sleeping. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says, I guess it's not enough that his eyes are closed all day long. Oh. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, that's mean. And, and I love it because he's, he's, they're like kind of talking shit. And then it like Zatoichi speaks up in the back and everyone turns around. It's yeah. Really, yeah. Framed really cool. And here we get back. another staple of the Zatoichi films where, uh, Ichi mm. will demonstrate how skillful he is. Yeah. So um, I I love this. It's it's super cool. Oh, yeah. He 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 demonstrates by slicing this candle, but it's not just a you know I I'm gonna slice a candle. He actually grabs a lit candle, tosses it in the air, yeah. and slices it uh, like vertically. vertically? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's still lit when it lands on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, like the wick is split. Are... So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like it's two halves that are both lit. Very, oh, very cool. cool. And he he has his own zinger at Sukegoro. He says, you know, you you said you're you want you want to see me fight the samurai, but mm-hmm. my life comes at a high price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's trying to put up put the squeeze on Sukegoro because yeah. um, money is always a factor for Ichi as well. Because he he's man of the street. He's he 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 refers to himself as a yakuza many times. And, uh, you know, he he partakes in a lot of the shady business, too. But he also has a moral compass. He has a he knows, you know, who the scumbags are. He knows who are the people are that he should be protecting. So I, I, I don't know. I think that this type of character really resonates with a lot of people. So I totally understand how they made 26 of these movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sort of the antihero flavor. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's just a beautifully balanced character. Um, 
he is upholding this moral code, like we've said. Uh, he does ha- seem to have this strong sense of right and wrong, but he's also like looking out for number one. Um, he's not, you know, he doesn't go out of his way to help every single person in need. Mm-hmm. And you can tell there's some like hurt and trauma there. So, yeah, it feels like, you know, Zatoichi's a character you'll kind of never get to the bottom of. Yeah. Um, just like Columbo. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. You heard um, it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, one of the other kind of noticeable events in this scene is that Tate, the kind of one of the underhand dudes that we mentioned earlier, is noticeably absent. Uh, Sukegoro calls to him. And then after this scene, you have a moment where Tate comes back home and Ichi can tell that he's been with a woman and he kind of calls him out on it. And, uh, of course, the next morning, you find out that this woman that he was involved with has been found dead. She's uh, laying in the in the lake, and uh, somebody's found her body. So that's a, uh, a big to-do in town. Yeah. And I like that uh, Harate and, and Ichi both say, like, because of this tragedy, we've, basically, we're not going to kill each other today. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not even yeah, fish. Yeah. I like that they point that out. Yeah, it's really great. Um, and that's when we get the, the massaging uh, scene. Yeah, that's Dude, this, this is the only time I've ever seen a massage like depicted where it feels like you get one. Did any, anybody else get that? <laughs> like when Zatoichi's done, I'm like, oh, thanks, dude. Yeah. That totally worked. <laughs> nice. The other thing that this movie really made me want is uh sake no (laughs) oh yeah no no i was thinking that too that's there's a lot of sake in these yeah yeah and i was like "Mm, that looks good sake something just makes me want to go to a japanese restaurant that's what i was saying i haven't been to a japanese place in so long and yeah uh, when i'd get together with my family we would share like a bottle of sake together so Mm -hmm. i'm really looking forward to that whenever i get the chance Uh, yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah um so after this massage uh Ichi and Hirate are kind of hanging out and actually Hirate's gang, like, well, not his gang, but who he's working for shows up and they start to blab a little bit. And actually Shigezo is saying stuff. And as he's saying uh, a little bit too much information, uh, Ichi gets up and begins to leave. And Hirate then mentions that uh, Ichi is from Ioka. And those are the people that he's fighting. He's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and he sends a couple of his men's out, a couple of his men out to dispatch him. And Hirate's like, uh, "I don't know if that's a good idea, dude." And he's <laughs> yeah. like, "What? It's just a blind guy." And then yeah. um, Hirate's like, "All right, I'm gonna go check this out." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go watch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. This is really cool too. So it's this nighttime scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Ichi is making his way with a little guide and a lantern and. He sends the kid off, and he blows out the lantern. So he says, yeah, like, like, it's yeah, dark now. It's now. Even. now we're even. And the other thing I really like about this film, and it's maybe it's just they didn't consider it, but um, there's no Foley work for the sword play. And, uh, right. and yeah. it actually kind of makes it that more realistic to me. Or maybe yeah, it adds a little totally. bit of impact to what's happening. So I, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I I do I think I wish there was like just a little bit instead of literally nothing, even mm. if it was just subtle, but 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 it is it's really cool and it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a very deliberate choice. And actually I 
I'm thinking now because Ifukube did the score for this movie, and very famously, Ifukube did the foley work for Godzilla and actually created Godzilla's roar. Forget what it was. It was something like a a leather a, glove on some. It's a glove being dragged across a cello. I think. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah, I think you're right. So he didn't do any of that magic with this film, but I do feel like his score kind of carries this. It, it's there when it really needs to be. Yeah, and it, it's very subtle. It really emphasizes the emotional impact of scenes where it's like. Uh, Ifukube kind of is, you know, you hear his score, it's like very string driven. And there's like, I don't know, like a huge drum that he uses for a lot of his scores. (laughs) And I think that it's just enough for this film and it works really well. What's interesting to kind of contrast, um, you know, production wise, Zatoichi from, say, like the Wong Fei Hung films, uh, here in this Japanese production um fully original score um like you said basically zero fully it's all live audio and over <laughs> meanwhile over in hong kong um you know <laughs> there's no live cobbled audio. cobbled together music and it would be that way for another two and a half decades yeah. and yeah no live audio until pretty much the mid 90s so it, yeah just really interesting you know Japan in in the sixties is pretty much step in step with you know at least the innovations of cinema in Europe and in the states. Um, it's anyways we don't need to redirect back to Hong Kong, but but I yeah, like that you mentioned that because I honestly I never stopped to consider that you know we've been covering Hong Kong films for so long we're just kind of used to that but yeah no it's it I guess it's competition but these. These industries existed in their own bubbles, really. You know, they yeah, totally really, doing yeah. things their own way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty fun yeah, to the, think about that. Yeah, because Hong Kong's still doing, it, basically doing it like silent era with like big studios and a bunch of things filming at once, right. adding everything in later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is a lot of a lot of like there are sets in in Zatuichi, but there's a lot of outdoor shots and stuff too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, following this scene. Uh, you have a a little bit where uh, Ichi wants to kind of repay Hirate for the sake that he enjoyed with him, which is also kind of like a date thing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ichi has a ice cold line here, though, because uh, Tate uh, sees him and says that he's worried about uh, Ichi because he went fishing. And Ichi says, why were you afraid I fell into the lake? So good. Yeah. Like, ooh. <laughs> Yeah. Damn, Ichi. Yeah, it's, um, it's yeah, and he great. tells him to 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 give three bottles of the best sake he can to be delivered to Harate. And yeah. he repeats um, twice like how much change yeah. he should be getting yeah. back. It's it's funny. I actually I looked into I looked into it cuz I was like they're they're spending a lot of time talking about specific mm-hmm. denominations of of currency. Nice. And they say like mon and they say rio a bunch. And bu. Um, and bu, yeah. And uh, according to Wikipedia, in this era, 4,000 mon was worth 16 shu, which was equal to 4 bu, which was equal to 1 ryo. Yeah. And uh, but and the mon actually existed for, like, almost 500 years. Mm. Um, like, it started from, like, the from 1336 um, until, like, the, the Meiji era. And then they basically slowly made the ryo the only 
currency there was and the Rio morphed into the yen. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then it was decided, I think it was in, uh, yes, yeah, it was 1954. Um, it was determined to make yen the one yen was the absolute lowest denomination of currency that you could have. So, and that's still the way it is in Japan. Oh, anyways, that's, that's the, another weird random interest I have is like fiscal policies and stuff. It's right? <laughs> so awesome. interesting to me. Uh, the one thing that I took a little bit of time to look up was uh, there is a a situation with a gun in this film, and that kind of oh, yeah. drives some of the drama later on. Yeah, where um, Shigezo says, "Hey, I'll take care of Ichi because I got a gun." And um, <laughs> uh, but what I wanted to look up is when was when were guns introduced to Japan? So I I, I guess I, I assumed that it was thanks to China. And and that is true. So in the 13th century, uh, China introduced guns to Japan, but they weren't really incorporated until after 1543. So there was uh, the the main gun that people came to use in war in Japan was the Tanigashima matchlock. So it's like kind of like got a wick on it, and uh, mm-hmm. it looks like kind of like a mini cannon rifle situation. And Similar actually, to what we saw in last week's episode, actually, in the right. story of the stranger. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And that was actually because of the Portuguese. So there was a Portuguese ship yeah. that wrecked on the island of Tanigashima. And then uh, the the lord of that island at the time kind of purchased these guns from the Portuguese and reworked them to be used in in Japan. So that really changed the way that war was fought afterwards but um yeah you see i i mentioned it in yojimbo and like you said yeah in sort of the stranger there's a a gun in that and it doesn't play as big of a part uh in this film like there isn't any gunplay but the the fact that the gun is here is a very important factor in where the movie leads well and it's a motif that we've come across in so much martial arts cinema which Basically, the idea that the gun is ignoble and um, not graceful and, and kind of shameful and sort of against mm-hmm. the code of almost any martial artist. What I love about how that is handled in Zatoichi is um, they don't really need to to make a big song and dance about it. It's mm. Somehow it's like so self-evident that this is underhanded yeah um i don't know i just think there's just a whole lot of like intelligence and smarts to how they how they do that yeah and what really incites the the war between sasagawa and ioka is that uh again i can put this on tate so ichi uh tasked tate to get this sake out to hirate but what tate does is he kind of cheapskates out and one, he purchases less than Ichi asks him to, and two, he sends somebody else out to do it. So there's yeah. a younger uh, man in the crew named Inosuke, and he gets like <laughs> a cheaper amount of sake. He gets, he gets two bottles of cheap sake and yeah. keeps all the extra money no, for himself. Man. Right. Yeah. And what ends up happening Don't is that it. when Inosuke goes out to Sasagawa, uh, Sasagawa's men then attack Inosuke and kill him. And yeah. then that's like the inciting drawing of blood that creates mm-hmm. this war. Um, and there's a there's a scene where we see uh Tate brings his uh 
it leads this guy that really wants uh tani his the, the sister and oh, yeah. kind of like Seems. kind of like assaults her which is is pretty rough but that's ichi kind of uh comes into the to the rescue yeah I, I like how that plays out too because yeah me too um ichi basically plays dumb and you know he just acts like he's yeah. wandering in and hey i'm a blind mm-hmm. guy but that yeah. just him being there prevents uh seisuke from uh raping otani yeah. And, yeah, totally. Yeah, because he's saying like, "Oh, well, you shouldn't be alone at this time of night." So mm-hmm. I, I guess I have to escort you home. And yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it again, it's like it's so, it's so intelligent, and it doesn't it doesn't make things more obvious than they need to be. By this point in the film, we've seen just how keen Zatoichi's senses are. Of course, he knows he's there in the room. Um, so yeah, just the way this is all depicted is really, yeah, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And they they do the the classic, like I wish I could see how beautiful you are. You can touch my face to see how beautiful, like that yeah. whole that whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I just they have a whole conversation about like who he is and his place in the world and everything. And I just I don't remember exactly what he said that made me write this down, but I wrote in my notes: "Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be yakuza." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like how they kind of play with this potential romance because Otane does end up kind of confessing like feelings for Ichi but really in the end he he discards whatever feelings she has for his connection with Hirate you know he yeah. he ends up finding Bros out for yeah he finds out that Hirate is suffering from illness and mm-hmm. I mean he finds out that he's going to be in battle suffering through this illness yeah. and that's drawing him into uh the final conflict. Yeah. And actually the fact that Ichi goes because of Hirate is what actually forces Hirate to also enter the battle yeah. too, because like I said before, Hirate knows that um this gun will basically be the end of Ichi, so he decides to uh man up and enter the battle even though his sickness is really taking over his life i love the i know it's just a traditional thing and just i'm not i'm not used to seeing it but i love the the yakuza going to war outfit where they like like all their their robes and stuff are all like girded up and it's like they're wearing shorts with these uh with these headbands on headband yeah and all the hair is tied back Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's like it, it's funny. It's like it's it's straight up like a like a feudal Japan gang war now. They're all going to to face off. It's funny too because they're really sneaky guys. You know, they they all march in together, but when it comes to actually fighting itself, they're all hiding, waiting for each other. Actually, it did remind me of uh, Yojimbo at the end of Yojimbo when the yeah, two forces yeah. are. Uh, you know, Definitely. they have to face each other, but, you know, you can tell they're also cowards um, and actually similar situation because without Yojimbo to fight for them, they're vulnerable and they know that. But the, the situation when it comes to these uh, boss, the, the the lords of these gangs, uh, like Sukegoro knows like that Hirate is sick so that he takes the chance to fight against them and he has more men too. So their kind of their their confidence is like a fake confidence because they know that the the true warriors aren't on the battlefield. So I think I I think that plays in a lot to Ichi and Hirate's character. And we get to see Hirate actually in action now, 
because uh, like we've we've got to yeah. hear about it a lot and know that he's amazing but now we actually get to see him fighting like this huge crowd of guys coming at him yeah it's really cool and yeah i guess we haven't really mentioned like the chambara fighting itself like these aren't interactions where it's like four or five slashes between opponents usually yeah. if there's a skilled swordsman it's yeah. like you come at me and i kill you immediately mm-hmm. so we're yeah. not gonna get much involved choreography but also right. i'm curious in chambara films how they actually planned out these sequences because there's like a wild energy to the fighting yeah but there's also yeah, like definitely. very placed like sword strikes so I don't know if there's like improvisation here or what. And I don't know, maybe as we go through these films, I'll learn a bit more about that. But it, it seems like they're letting whoever is the lead in the scene kind of handle the rhythm and everybody else is playing to his movements. That's definitely future episode at some point. That's one of my favorite it kind of funniest in a weird way bits in Rashomon is where the from one person's perspective their fight was like this beautifully choreographed and like really intense thing and then in reality they were just like sliding and falling all over each other yeah. and like fighting really sloppily yeah that's really good yeah. dude yeah amazing but yeah then this 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 finally leads to the um the the two swordsmen have to have to finally face off against one another and i um, love that they they kind of they sort of move away from where the battle's going and yeah. just like have their own <laughs> private space yeah. for this, um, which is, yeah, so fitting. It's like these are men apart yeah. in Take almost every way. Yeah. They just like almost like don't want to have anything to do with these, like, I don't know, two feudal mm-hmm. parties. Yeah. Feuding right. parties. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like how each of these characters approaches this. So when Hirate sees Ichi, you see that he has a look of happiness on his face. And mm-hmm. Ichi has, throughout the rest of the film, you just see this sorrowful look on his face. Yeah. throughout, And uh, they meet on the bridge, and he pleads with Hirate that he shouldn't be here, he's sick. And uh, Hirate is very convinced that this is how he wants to end his life. Mm-hmm. So instead of dying because of a disease, he yeah. wants to die at ichi's blade on the battlefield with the honor of a samurai yeah and this has one of the wildest camera movements i've seen Mm -hmm. in this movie where like we it it, it's so funny because it completely breaks the the 180 rule like it completely the camera completely spins all the way around and like we see it from a different angle and it's like it, it's really odd, and it's a lot longer of a shot than anything else in the movie. And it's just it's so cool, and it's just so deliberate, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's like yeah, they have these planned shots, like of mm-hmm. people talking, but they connect those shots with this motion. That's yeah, like I said, whenever the camera moves in this movie, you're like, whoa, yeah. this yeah. is pretty cool. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And and, and there's they're. The, fight itself yeah their interaction yeah. is just as dramatic you know we have a very short sequence where there's only a few uh attacks and i yeah. i like that yeah. um uh, ichi like takes the time to really pay respect to the fight even though he doesn't want to yeah. do it he takes his coat off totally. at first and mm-hmm. they just stand at the ready it's very very powerful very emotional yeah yeah totally and, and after, I think I think here the the lack of foley is um 
I think you could interpret it as intentional. It's mm-hmm. it's really powerful because you're just kind of on the edge of your seat in this fight, and um, I think it really. And I we'll talk about this probably just with Chanbara cinema in general. Um, something that we get that we don't get in the kung fu cinema or more high impact martial arts is this sense of the unknown, right? Mm. Um, it moves so fast and it's not entirely sure um, in the moment what's happened. And, you know, in the hands of really great filmmakers that can, that can be really powerful. Yeah. And my favorite part from this, this last fight is that it, it, at first it seems like it's over instantly. Like it, it was like you know, right. two seconds and, Zatoichi is like starting to put his sword up and then he stops because he realizes that Harate is actually not dead yet. Like he hasn't, he actually didn't hit him. And so he gets his sword back out and then they have another, another fight. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the scoring again is so important mm-hmm. to this because yeah. uh, Ifu Kube's score doesn't really come in until like the, the final sorrowful moment where uh, Hirate actually ends up basically resting on Ichi in that last strike and yeah. you see Ichi's face and he's just overcome with sadness and tears begin to roll down his face mm-hmm. and of course at the end he you know he's, his his boss comes out and he he's yells at him and throws his money back at him and I love that this is the only time you see Zatoichi's eyes in the movie because oh, his eyes yeah, are closed very good. every yeah, other every other part of the movie but whenever he's yelling at him about like you know like how basically he kind of destroyed something beautiful essentially and mm-hmm. and he and <laughs> my favorite is he he kind of gives up his his sword and says he's not gonna he's not gonna kill anymore um, yeah and like one of the last things in the movie is uh, Tate tries to sneak up and then take Ichi out and he just kind of lightly bumps him into the water and <laughs> yeah. he says probably some worthless nobody Yeah, <laughs> and he keeps walking <laughs> so and, great and I think it's I mean they play it like uh, Tate like drowns, drowns. Yeah. And I think yeah, it's a, yeah. definitely a fitting death for such a miserable character yeah <laughs> yeah and also fitting that Zatoichi's role in it is so minimal. It's just, he's just redirecting, um, yeah, he's redirecting his energy and his anger. But yeah, one thing I wanted to call out is, um, uh, I mean, yeah, Katsu's portrayal is legendary. You see this movie, you totally want, you know, 20 something more films. <laughs> I, I think uh, something that's so great about it is there's like, there are like no cheap choices when it comes to Zatoichi's blindness. I don't know. He's, he's, it's never a joke. Uh, yeah. There's, it's not kind of caricaturized. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, can you tell that I'm blind? I don't know. There's just something really lived in. You really believe it. Yeah. Um, and anybody that's, that's joking on Ichi's uh, condition those are the they definitely positioned to be the bad people yeah totally yeah so yeah this is where our film ends and like i said some of the um, uh, ideas and characters connect oh and he leaves otane like waiting it's really oh yeah Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. he says at the end of this film that he'll return after a year to uh kind of uh pay his respect to hirate's grave he pays for the funeral and the burial and he gives up his sword because he doesn't want to have the mm-hmm. the sad memories of of this 
experience and then in the next film it, it starts right away with uh ichi returning and there are some continuing characters in uh in that film and basically anybody that you were like uh oh, this guy should have gotten what's coming to him they get it in the next movie yeah. <laughs> and i love so much that the second movie takes place a year after the first movie but it was released six months after the first oh, movie. <laughs> that's great. I didn't think of that. Oh, that's so cool. That's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. There's literally, I, th- I think most years between 1962 and, and 1973 or something like that, literally three of these movies came out most <laughs> of the years. There's only one where nothing came out. Yeah, that's pretty wild. It's so nuts. <laughs> you wonder, you know, like, there's like, you know, consumer burnout. <laughs> How did that last yeah. for so long? But I mean, it was a different time. Yeah, you know, nowadays <laughs> people would be tired of it. Uh, another Zato Ichi movie. Yep. Well, it's just it's imagining if there was like if the Marvel movies literally were all Iron Man movies. Yeah. <laughs> like and like had zero Foley. Every. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marty's like that would actually improve most of. <laughs> Again, uh, Patreon five hours. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the the tale of Zatoichi. So um, fun! It's such a good movie. I, I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, dude, and, amazing. And have a kind of a deeper a deeper appreciation for this this era. And I'm definitely very excited for uh for looking at some more Chambara stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. So okay, real quick before we're done. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I have a little short quiz, not oh necessarily oh a quiz, nice. but um, you know. So we've got twenty six Zatoichi films. Hopefully, you didn't look at too many of the titles. So I have a selection will, of titles. I literally have it next to me, but I will, I will close, close it. it so. <laughs> <laughs> a selection of titles, and I want you to tell me if it's a real Zatoichi film <laughs> or if it's a fake title that I just made up. Okay. So the first. Uh, Zatoichi film that I have here is Zatoichi on the Yokai Road. Hmm. I could I could see it actually. I I'll. Oh, uh, good. The you got you got me. It's, I'll, I'll say I'll say you made it up. I made it up. It's false. It's oh. false. Nicely done. <laughs> so all right. Uh, the next film we have here is Zatoichi's Flashing Sword. Uh, I'll say that's real. I'll go the other way on that one. Oh, we got patterns here. This is a true film from 1964. Yeah. Okay, nice. <laughs> okay, next film we have here is Zatoichi Goes to the Fire Festival. <laughs> I, I, th- I, really I don't think you would make real. that up. I think it's real. It is real, actually. Yeah, oh, there you go. 1970. Yep. That's funny. All Pre- right. Predated it by like 40 years. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought that was a great, I had to use it. That was actually what made me think of this in the first place. <laughs> uh, next one. Zatoichi meets Chapulin. Uh, I'll say it's real. I'm going to say fake. I made it up. Hey. Have you ever, nice. have you guys ever heard of Chapulin Colorado? Is a Mexican like com- comedy show oh, <laughs> character. Oh, that's <laughs> cool! Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but also, I would love to see him uh, meet <laughs> Zatoichi. <laughs> Shout outs to my Spanish TV uh, watchers yeah. that listen to Heroes nice. Three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, and the last example that I have here, 
Wong Fei Hung Seven Battles with Fiery Unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Say that's not a Satoichi, but is a Wong Fei Hung. It is a real Wong Fei Hung film. It is. 1956, <laughs> nice. a true Wong Fei Hung film. <laughs> wow. Thank you for playing. That's amazing. Dude, thanks. Yeah. Part of me wants to look through all the names of the Wong Fei Young movies, but I also don't because I really enjoy this. So. Yeah, totally. Also, think about that. Zatoichi meets Wong Fei Hung. Oh my God. I know. Wouldn't yeah, that have been it, amazing? It could have happened. Dude, that would have been amazing. <laughs> I want and that's that. That's cool, too, because that's uh, not to keep us going on for too long, but. I love that Zatoichi has become like this beloved Japanese character, but he only came into existence in like the fifties. Yeah. Like he hasn't existed too terribly long. Mm-hmm. Right, like right. Wong Fei Hung is, you know, over a hundred years old, but yeah. And it's, he's honestly a character. I would think there would be more fighting game characters influenced by him. Yeah. And I would think there'd be more like anime. I know in one piece, there's a dude named Fujitora who's totally just uh, Zatoichi in one piece's mm-hmm. world, which makes sense. Cause one piece has like anything in it. I don't follow one piece that much cause it's super long, but I, I mean, it either. seems fun. It's, but I, I think I probably said this on here before I've read like a hundred chapters of one piece and that's less than a 10th of it at this point. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I haven't read any of gotcha. it. Gotcha. Yikes. <laughs> it's good though. The stuff I've read is good. It's just intimidating. Yep. Yep. But yeah, here we are. Chambara film. So yep. on to the next one, guys. You ready for yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we'll get some plugs out of the way. Uh, if you like the show, then you can uh, leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at here's the number three podcast and all three of them. So yeah, what's our what's our training for next week, Carlos? So our next film that I'm very excited to talk about is another Chambara film, but also I would say a kind of a not what you would expect out of Chambara necessarily. This is a film called The Sword of Doom. It's from 1966. Mm. It's called Dai Bosatsu Toge, The Great Bodhisattva Pass. And uh, this is directed by Kihachi Okamoto, and it stars Tatsuya Nakadai from Yojimbo, and also features a role by Toshiro Mifune. So we're not doing Kurosawa, but uh, regardless, this is a very powerful film, and uh, I I really am excited to hear what you guys think of it. Because when I originally, I I originally thought that I had seen it, but then when I watched it, I was like, whoa, not only (laughs) did I not see this film, but it was not at all what I expected. It's, hmm. it's a really Very good cool. movie. Alright, hmm. well until next week we're taking a look at The Sword of Doom. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.